Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. So may perfection be accomplished in your life today. The peace and shalom of God, nothing missing, nothing broken. Uh, We've studied all week, of course, the Torah study changes on Sunday morning to uh, this coming week. Uh, we, we teach on what we've studied all week long, uh, and so if you were wondering, hey, I, I, what's going on there? That's what's going on. And so uh, uh, this week we were studying out of Genesis 28 through Genesis 32, Torah portion number 7, on Jacob's ladder. Anybody ever heard uh, the uh, teaching on Jacob's ladder? Uh, And this is where we find Jacob on the run. Esau is hot. He is mad. And uh, boy, he's ready to uh, 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 do a crime here. The crime of murder. Take Jacob out. So uh, uh, Rivka, Rebecca says, you better go stay with my uncle. Uncle Laban. Uh, and so Jacob sets out towards Haran, uh, and Uncle Laban, who uh, incidentally has got a few deceptive tricks up his sleeve for Jacob that we'll see next week. Uh, but ironically, this, uh, 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 he's going to, uh, as he heads to Laban's, he's going to meet his future wife, Rachel, uh, at the well, just like Eleazar found Rebecca at the well for Isaac. And so uh, this is all unfolding. And uh, uh, there's something fascinating that happens on this journey into exile. Jacob's leaving Israel into exile. Uh, uh, But before he leaves, God does something very powerful, and it's symbolic for you and I today, uh, uh, having to do with dreams and visions. And so that's going to be the title of the sermon today. Does God use dreams and visions to speak to us today? And the answer, of course, is yes. And we'll explore some of this. And so Jacob is on his way into exile, but God takes him uh, on a route to Mount Moriah. And Mount Moriah, as you know, is where his grandfather offered up his father uh, as a sacrifice to the Lord. God did a miracle there and uh, spared Isaac uh, and reinforced or restated, reaffirmed that I have brought you into this covenant relationship with a divine purpose and destiny. And uh, that's so important for you and I because uh, whatever level of covenant relationship you feel you have with God right now, it's divine. And whatever assignment that you feel God has given you to complete right now, no matter how small and insignificant you might seem to think it is or uh, how massive it may be, whatever it is, that's holy ground for you. 
And uh, God is going to lead you no matter. You might be feeling, man, things aren't coming together like I want. Doesn't matter. God has spoken a word to you and that thing's going to come to pass. Your job is just keep doing what you're doing. Be faithful, right? Don't throw in the towel. Don't get weary in well-doing. And so uh, uh, Jacob ends up at Mount Moriah. And this is where the holy temple is going to be built. This is where God's Shekinah glory is going to eventually rest. This is where uh, the tabernacle of David, the temple, the first and second temple, will be a shining light of God's glory and greatness to the world for a thousand years. It's going to be there. And we touched on this last week, but Christians don't, really understand this many some do but replacement theology kind of wants to erase some of this knowledge but uh, to the jewish people um the temple mount mount moriah is the most sacred place on earth and when jacob lays down his head on this sacred spot they estimate that to be about 1900 B.C. So it's a long, long time ago. Uh, 2,600 years before the Muslim armies marched into Jerusalem, captured Jerusalem, and built the Dome on the Rock, which was about 691 uh, A.D. And so even, uh, uh, you know, we don't want to forget this is that uh, this, even today, as contested property, was legally purchased by King David in about uh, 1000 B.C. And we uh, touched on that, I think, last week or two weeks ago. Uh, But uh, that's evidence. It's in the Bible. It's a recorded real estate transaction uh, that David purchases the Temple Mount. Uh, it's bought and paid for in a legal real estate deal, and it belongs to the Jewish people and the nation of Israel based on that and based on God's promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, why is this important? Because today, many leaders around the world, many nations, led by uh, a lot of anti-Semitic people, accuse Israel of being the occupiers. Liar, liar, pants on fire. In reality, this land was never sold. The land was never sold. Right? And throughout history, it has been occupied. Uh, The Greeks, the Assyrians, the Romans, the Muslims, the Christians, the Crusades are not just about King Richard. (laughs) Oh, wasn't King Richard and Robin Hood so good? Yeah, until you start reading about what they did. Let's slaughter every Jew. They're occupying their own land. So there's a lot uh, of uh, 
uh, sackcloth and ashes. And then, of course, for the, uh, uh, most recently, uh, just after World War, uh, before World War I, for 400 years, it was occupied by the Ottoman Turks, the Ottoman Empire, and then uh, we can go on and on and on. But today, there's still that anti-Semitic, anti-Jewish sentiment to give up the land and, and you can live. Be like someone, if you give up your house, we'll let you. What are you talking about? That's not a deal. And so it's just, don't be the person that thinks one Jewish state is one too many. Because you will be uh, doing something against the will of God. Uh, if, you, if you never really thought of this, you know, I'm not talking about Bruce Willis's Armageddon, but there is a great battle of Armageddon coming. Armageddon, Armageddon, and Armageddon is fought over who does the land belong to. Okay, we don't think of that that often, but that's what it's all about. Does this land belong to Israel according to the covenant of God, or does it belong to, as the world say, whoever wants it, who's ever most powerful and can take control of it. And so Armageddon is fighting that. And guess who wins? Newsflash. Breaking Christian news. Uh, This is history in advance. We know it's going to, it hadn't happened yet, but the Messiah is coming back with his armies and together we will rule and reign because we defeat the enemies of God that dispute what I'm talking about today. And so that issue gets settled once and for all. Amen. So it's on this holy ground that Jacob uh, goes to on his way into exile and he lays down to sleep. And he has a prophetic dream. And he sees angels that are ascending and descending on a ladder between heaven and earth. Powerful dream. You know, and it's symbolic of many things. One thing it's symbolic of is our prayer. Amen? God has an angelic army. Right? When we read about powers and principalities in Ephesians 6, that's true. But never let that truth that there's powers and principalities and spirit get you thinking that there's more of them than more of us. Uh-uh. <laughs> there's more of us than there is of them. And we need to have that as our basic operating procedure. That God is with me, the angelic armies are with me, and there's more of us on our side than on their side. And we will be victorious, we will be more than conquerors. Greater is He that's in us than He that is in the world. Okay. All right. Now wait until I really get excited. So, God calls the angelic army, He calls them servants, ministering spirits, ministering servants to the heirs of salvation. That's you and I. We are the heirs to salvation. The promise of salvation is one of our, that's the main covenant promise, y'all. If Jesus didn't do anything but die on the cross so you could go into eternal life and you had to suffer on earth until all of that manifested, you still couldn't praise and worship Him enough. (laughs) All right? 
So God speaks to Jacob. And, you know, we won't get into reading it. Uh, please read it on your own if you're inspired to do so in Genesis 28.10 and on from there. But here, the Lord reaffirms to Jacob the promise that he made to Abraham and Isaac. Amen. And that promise, in a nutshell, I promise you this land. This is going to be the home of your descendants. And no fancy footwork, okay, yeah, there were Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers, Gene Kelly types in the church early on trying to do some fancy footwork. But now in the last days, what's been hidden is being revealed. And we're understanding that just as God assures Jacob, that he's going to be a father of many nations, that he's going to inherit this land, that he's, and also that he's going to be guarded divinely. He'll have supernatural protection. How are the Jews still around? After the whole world's been after them for, you know, 3,000 years. Divine protection, that promise in Genesis 28. So, look, this is a dream he's having. He's seeing this, however he's dreaming that, whoever has had a dream, right? You've had some nightmares, you've had some dreams, right? This is a dream, and he's hearing God speak to him through a dream, and he wakes up, and like, he knows this is the real deal. I just didn't have some bad lamb on the way out. <laughs> Right? This wasn't just some bad hummus. <laughs> God is speaking to me, and He responds immediately. Oh, that we would have the same mindset. Then we, when we feel the presence of God, and we know that we're hearing the voice of God, that we would get off our rusty dusties and do something. <laughs> of course, I'm preaching to the choir here. This is just for those guys. Amen. And so he builds an altar. It's a memorial, and he seals it by making some of his own covenant promises, including, Lord, I pledge to build a house for you, and I pledge to tithe everything I get back into whatever it takes to establish this covenant around Israel and around the world. Yeah, little pattern there, right? So, Jacob's dream, which, by the way, it's the first dream recorded in the Bible, is exactly what he needs as he's going into a 20-year exile. And see, what a picture God is painting for you and I through Jacob's life is that everything that God wants to do in our lives doesn't happen by Friday. Right, And so we've got to get it through our minds that this Christianity can sometimes, you can sometimes use the elevator to get to the top, but most of the time you're going to have to take the stairs. Sometimes you can use the microwave, but most of the time you're going to have to use a slow cooker. Because visions and dreams and destiny just all don't unfold in 24 hours. 
Sometimes it takes 20 years. How many of you have served the Lord for more than 5 years? For more than 10 years? For more than 20 years? For more than that? (laughs) Right? A lot of us, right? And so we understand that it's not a a, 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 a drive-through experience. It's a lifelong experience. And God will give us dreams and visions uniquely to you. Don't be jealous of somebody else's vision. If you don't feel you have a dream and a vision, then you need to pray that God would give you one. He may have already done it and you just haven't learned how to get your ears on, good buddy. (laughs) But the dream God gave to Jacob is so powerful, it's so inspiring, it was so filled with motivation that it carried him through a whole lot of hard times. And your dream is meant to carry you through some hard times, right? And so when you feel a little shaky, you feel like you've gotten knocked down and uh, should I even get up and get back in the game? Yes, you should. And you need to call on the Lord, the giver of dreams, who will inspire you and strengthen you and give you the confidence that you need to carry on, my wayward son. Amen. Praise be to God. There's many examples of the Lord using dreams and visions to speak to His people. So does God use... Yeah, otherwise we wouldn't have all these examples. Abraham uh, learned of his destiny through the dreams and visions God gave him. Abraham, see all the stars in the sky. That's a vision. See all the grains of sand on the... That's a vision. This is your destiny. You're going to have millions and millions of descendants who love you and who accept me as Jehovah. Who who accepts Jehovah, Jehovah, Yahweh, as the one true God. Of course, Jacob's life is drastically changed through this dream. Uh, Then his son Joseph, Uh, God reveals destiny to Joseph through dreams and interpretations of dreams. Um, Joseph in the New Testament, Mary and Joseph, uh, had a dream relating to the birth of Jesus and the naming of Jesus. And then he was warned in a dream about Herod's plan, so they... Uh, did like Snagglepuss, exited stage right, went to Egypt for a while. And uh, uh, yeah, all of that is what God will do for you and I. Just let's not get so busy with our lives that we forget this stuff is for us, right? And if it's not happening, maybe you need to tap the brakes. Tap the brakes. Don't let your life get so spinning out of control where you're so in a hurry that you forget that this is the main thing. (laughs) Keep the main thing the main thing, city slicker. The wise men were warned. So God's using dreams in different ways. Uh, Ever heard of Saul who became Paul? 
He has a life-changing vision of Yeshua as Messiah on the road to Damascus. Even Pilate's wife was warned in a dream. Cornelius, a Roman centurion, had a dream about God's plan of salvation for the Gentiles. And then Peter had a vision confirming what God was saying to Cornelius in Acts 10. And he used a vision, a dream, to explain his plan of how I'm doing a new thing. There's a new move of God happening right now that Gentiles are kosher too. Amen. Amen. And then the whole book of Revelation. Uh, so that we can be instructed and prepare in advance. Dreams give you a heads up, a head start. Now we have to do something with it, and we'll talk about that some more. So, it, 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 the bigger picture, what's the takeaway? If you uh, uh, want divine destiny imparted, God may impart that through a dream. And in that dream, He'll establish ministry purpose. He'll give you direction for your life. He'll warn you about some uh, son, daughter, don't, get me- don't be messing around with that thing. I saved you out of that thing, not for you to go back to it. Oh, give me a big amen on that one. And so, yes, God speaks to us today uh, through dreams and visions. Uh, One of the famous scriptures from Joel chapter 2, it's in Acts chapter 2. Peter preached this in his Pentecost sermon. Uh, He said, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Talking about you and I. God's prophesying a word over you and I. How that manifests, some of it's up to God, some of it's up to you. Psalm 16.7 is a a neat scripture about how God speaks to us. Psalm 16.7 says, I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. Yeah, so, you know, look, don't go to bed after just watching, you know, five hours of uh, shoot 'em up, bang, bang, blood and guts. Do that early on. <laughs> But when, when it's time for Betty by, maybe just pause for a moment, get your spiritual hat on and say, Lord, tonight when I lay my head down, instruct me on how I should handle this matter or that matter and watch your brain go to work on that. Watch the Holy Spirit go to work on that. And while you're sleeping, God is working something out. A lot of times God is working out things out there. But even more so, he's working out things in here. Yeah? Amen? So we need to learn to pay attention to our very first thoughts when we wake up, don't we? The very first thoughts when you wake up could be the very thoughts that God has been speaking to you while you were dreaming. You didn't maybe remember the dream, but you have a very first thought. 
And that very first thought is often God giving you that specific instruction and idea or direction that solves a problem. Who doesn't have any problems? (laughs) Who would like some more problems solved? Yeah. All right. Father, as I go to sleep tonight, instruct me and teach me and speak to me about how to solve this issue, this problem. And all of a sudden you wake up and you're not confused anymore. You know what decision to make. And all of a sudden you feel a sense of connection with the Lord. You know what? I'm going to get on top of this thing. I'm going to move forward in this area. It could be a family matter, a medical matter, a financial matter, a legal matter. Whatever the matter, God wants you to get on top of that thing, solve that thing. And sometimes it has to do with what's happening out there. But sometimes it has to do with what's happening inside side here and so that's why we have the holy ghost to help us sort those things out that's why we have a big thick book called the bible right and so one of my favorite scriptures that relates to this principle is in colossians three fifteen, and this is from the amplified it says let the peace the shalom The soul harmony, which comes from Christ's rule, act as an umpire continually in your hearts, deciding and settling with all finality all questions that arise in your mind in that peaceful state. What God's saying is that I will be, through the power of the Spirit, the power of the Word, be an umpire. And when you're deciding, when you're trying to work out things, that peace, that shalom of God will come in and you'll know this is the way to go. I have peace about it. Amen. So we need to be sensitive and alert for the times when the Holy Ghost is moving. The Holy Spirit was sent to lead us and guide us and counsel us. He's the counselor. Counsel me on this issue, Holy Spirit. And so when he's prophetically speaking, he's going to point you in the right direction, but you still need to respond in the right way. But if you just pop up and head out and don't give it another thought, then oftentimes the immature person, well, how come God doesn't do something? And yet He gave you the thought, but you didn't recognize the thought. My sheep will hear my voice, John 10. God, help us to hear your voice. Amen? And so... If you find yourself wrestling in a situation and you really can't decide what to do, judge your next move by whether you have the peace of God or not. Yeah? You're likely unsettled in your spirit. You're seeing a yellow light or a red light for a godly reason. You might not know what the reason is. But you just don't have that peace to proceed. Amen? So you just hit the brakes, you put it in neutral, and you pray that thing through until you have peace one way or the other. Uh, Any lack of shalom 
Is God uh, telling you there's something more to consider? (laughs) You're not seeing it right now. And so this is why uh, you come to Torah study. You're sharpening your sword. This is why when you come to church, you're reading your Bible, you're engaging, you're taking notes, you're an active listener because you want God to speak to you and oftentimes God will speak to you about an unrelated subject to what's going on in here or there and bam, you get a thought and that's the thought I needed to move forward and to settle this or that or the other thing. Amen? And we need discernment to know the difference between is it the Spirit of God or the Spirit of fear? Sometimes we get paralysis by analysis. Sometimes it's good. Help me to discern that. Holy Spirit, that's why I have you. You have the Holy Spirit, so He helps sort those things out. And it's a good thing. And then you just end up living with what Philippians 4 teaches. Uh, Philippians 4 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs. And don't forget to thank Him for the answers. How come I don't get more answers? Maybe there's not enough thanking going on. (laughs) Ever had that experience with your kids? You get them a nice this or that and they don't thank you. And you go, okay. (laughs) See, See what you get next time. (laughs) A lump of coal. (laughs) Philippians 4-7, if you do this, you'll experience God's peace. And it's far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will keep your thoughts and your hearts quiet and at rest as you trust in the Lord. (laughs) Pretty nice promise. Who's ever felt that before? I see all your hands. In, in my personal experience, God speaks to me through what we call visions more than dreams. Uh, I do wake up an awful lot with an answer. And I do come out of the shower or I'm in the shower with all that living water, my personal pouring, and somehow the light goes on. That's how it works for me. But uh, most of the time, uh, the Lord uses the Holy Spirit to speak to me through everyday situations. And there's a great biblical example of this in Proverbs 24.30. And it says, I walked by the field of a certain lazy fellow and saw that it was overgrown with thorns. It was covered with weeds, and its walls were broken down. Then as I looked, I learned this lesson. A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest means that poverty will break in upon you suddenly like a robber and violently like a bandit. Proverbs 24, 30. So you can see what's happening. God speaking to Solomon through a real life situation. It wasn't a burning bush per se. 
It wasn't some kind of supernatural encounter like Jacob's dream and Jacob's ladder. In this instance, he's just passing by a field and he thinks all of this. And this is another way that God will speak to you about many things. He'll use everyday situations. Are you listening? Do you got your ears on? Is there discernment and sensitivity? Or are you like, I always cut in on people that are texting. (laughs) Have you ever noticed how many people text while they're driving? Oh my gosh. And so I never, if there's one lane that's got 10, 12 cars and another, I, I know somebody in that 10, 12 is going to be texting. So I'm going up to the short line and I just bide my time. And inevitably, every time somebody's got their head down and I just cut right in and away I go. <laughs> Amen. Don't be that person who's got their head down in their phone 24-7. I'm just too concerned about God may speak through social media, but I'm thinking maybe not as much as we want. This happens in praise and worship this morning. In praise and worship, you'll be singing a song, and if you're entering in and really finding that depth of worship, instead of just, yeah, okay, well, what am I doing? You know, all of a sudden, you open your spirit up, and in that corporate anointing, God says something that brings you clarity, that brings you vision, direction, guidance, and all of a sudden, boom, there you go. You're off and running. Amen. How many like that? You like that idea? I do. Okay, so uh, not everything that we dream or see is from God. So don't try to read everything uh, that, that this is it. Oh, I, I, I found a penny uh, pumping gas, so God uh, 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 is going to give me a million dollars. Probably not going to work that way. Look, even, even wicked people have dreams, right? And so every dream isn't a godly one. Uh, having dreams doesn't mean you're prophetic. Oh, I had a dream, so now I'm a prophet. No, you're not. Really what makes a successful prophet is they know how to interpret dreams accurately. And in the old days, they kept a big pile of stones out there so no one got too big for their britches. Because if you missed on prophecies, head them over to the stone pile, please. (laughs) What's going to happen next? Bam! (laughs) It was just there for a warning. And then uh, another thing, you know, don't go uh, be a, a blab at all, okay? You don't have to run around the church lobby and find 12 different people to share your dream with, right? Uh, because that really is uh, uh, just a, a fool shares all that's on their heart, Proverbs says. Joseph was a fool as a boy. He had a dream of what God was going to do in his destiny, and he went to his brothers. <laughs> hey, y'all going to serve me when I get a little bit older? Oh, yeah? <laughs> we got something, something for you. So be judicious, please. Don't get too big for your britches. You don't want God to have to clip your wings. And, and don't base everything... 
uh, in your life on dreams alone. Right? Those dreams need to be vetted. Right? Ecclesiastes 5 has something to say about this. This is from the voice translation. Daydreaming and excessive talking are pointless and fleeting things to do. Like try to catch a hold of a breath. (laughs) Yeah. What good comes from all of this? It's better to quietly reverence the Lord. Right? And so... Daydreaming and excessive talking is telling us uh, you got to have more than just wishful thinking. Right? Just telling somebody about it isn't the work. (laughs) A lot of time, well, I told somebody, I I put in a full day's work. I told somebody about my idea, my dream. (laughs) No, the dream is a dream until you start taking some action steps. And Jacob's dream was real, and he responded with immediate action. He built an altar. He made a covenant commitment. He worked hard to build a family. First uh, Leah, then Rachel. He was building financial security. And it took him 20 years to do it. He didn't see his dream come to pass. In fact, some uh, uh, ancient wisdom teaches he never felt like any of his dreams came to pass. But through it all, he never gave up on God. And he actually used the dream to inspire him to keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. Keep mo- well, I'm older now. I'm I'm tired of moving forward. Don't say that. Don't say that. That ain't God. I read uh, years ago in Chicken Soup for the Soul that Grandma Moses painted her first painting at 80. Right? How many great things do we have left in our lives even if we're 80? As much is in front of you as you're willing to say, God, I want to keep moving forward. That's why there's no Hebrew word for retire. Moses was 120. And he said his his vision had not dimmed. That's just not talking about his natural eyesight. He still had plans. He was still making plans. He was still uh, 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 having vision about what he could do next for the Lord. We need to have that same mindset. Amen. And so this means our dreams have to have a sense of personal obligation. A dream that God gives you, a God-given dream, is a direct appeal to do something. (laughs) I don't know what that something might be. It could mean just a lot of extra prayer over that. You can just pray in the Holy Ghost. Father, I don't really know what you're saying right now, but I'm going to spend the next 20 minutes praying in the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to just trust that you're going to reveal to me some things that will help me improve in advance. That's a battle cry for Christians. How you doing, Brother Scott? I'm improving and I'm advancing. Someone say, I'm improving and I'm advancing. 
That's why we, uh, in all of my charismatic Christianity, we never had retreats. We always called them advances. Because when you get out of that weekend, you're advancing. You haven't retreated. You're advancing. Let's take the next hill. Let's accomplish the next goal. That's one of the key takeaways from Jacob's life. He didn't just spend 20 years in exile in a pity party. He had a lot he could be, you know, feeling sorry for himself about. He became a faithful steward. Thank you for becoming a faithful steward. Thank you guys. It, it, it's not, not everybody gets up and gets into morning prayer and gets into Torah study. And it's a sign of maturity. Now, not, not everybody can do that, so don't go in and say, well, you weren't there, you dirty, rotten scoundrel. <laughs> he was taking care of the business of life. You can't delegate your life for someone else to keep it. It's nice to have a helpmate. Lydia, thank you so much for helping manage my life and make sure we stay on track. But you know what? Don't check out. Well, I got someone else to do it. She's my visiting angel. Okay, well, you can have a visiting angel. Have an army of angels helping you. But don't ever relinquish personal responsibility for your life and your future and your destiny. Oh, come on. In other words, you're the caretaker, not the one from uh, the movie. So sometimes this requires more equipping. All right. Have you read a book lately? Have you uh, done more than uh, on the internet than just Amazon shopping? Read some articles about your life, about an area of life you know that God has talked to you about. And begin to equip yourself. Well, when are they going to do something? When are you going to do something? Is really, if it's to be, it's up to me. And of course, it's the Holy Spirit too, and the Bible. The we're not discounting all of that, but you're the one that's uh, got your hands on the wheel and your foot on the gas pedal, right? And so, uh, as we close this morning, uh, what do you do to prevent your dream and that vision from fading away? All right? Here's, uh, here's some uh, comments on that. Daniel 7.1 The prophet Daniel, in the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, had a dream. And visions passed through his mind as he was lying on his bed. He wrote down the substance of his dream. He wrote down, well, what does Daniel know? This is modern times. Daniel really, that, that, that can't be right. No, it's right. Right? So get a pad and paper, or if you have what I have, I, I got one of these phones that it's got a little stylist in it. And I just could, and I can make notes on my uh, phone, and so I don't need a pad and paper anymore, and so I can write the thoughts that God is giving me, the plans that God is witnessing to me, and I can write those things down. Habakkuk two says in verse one, "I will stand at my watch, personal accountability, 
and station myself on the watchtower. All right? Is that your attitude today? That I am standing for the things of God and I am stationing myself as a watchman on the watchtower for my life, for my health, for my family, for my ministry, for my church, for my nation, for all these various things. And I will keep watch to hear what He, capital H, will say to me. And what I will answer when I'm reproved. <laughs> that's usually, uh, that's how it starts, right? You've been messing up, son, and you need to get it right. But once you get it right, then you got new doors of opportunity. And you don't have to necessarily climb a mountain on your uh, hands and knees to prove to God you're getting it right, right? It's not Robert De Niro in the mission. Right? It's, uh, you, there's no, I got to crawl for 30 miles before God knows I'm serious. Oftentimes, it's just, it's that sincere prayer Father, I'm so sorry for being a knucklehead. Please change me. Please help me to move forward. And in that moment, then all of a sudden, you've opened the door. God takes that, and that's all that's, uh, it's, it's the grain of mustard seed concept, right? So it goes on, and the Lord answered me after the reproof. Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, that he who reads it may run. Now, I don't like to do much running anymore. (laughs) I just turned 67, I still feel young, but I, and maybe I need to get Get back in that uh, uh, workout game, you know. But just walking from my golf cart to the golf ball, it's like, okay, I did my part. Uh, I might have to change some of that. But it says that we can run. Run. That's our mindset all the day. Moses, 120, he's still wanting to run with some vision. Come on, stir that up. Be inspired today. The vision is yet for an appointed time. But it speaks of the end and does not lie. If it delays, wait for it, for it will surely come. It will not delay. Wow. Okay, so there's a likely chance that everything that God has isn't going to manifest by the end of this year. All right. Uh, so don't let a delay cause you to loosen your grip on your destiny. Right? There's such a thing as divine timing. God may be working things out in areas you can't see because you have limited vision. He sees it all. And He's saying, I've got an appointed time. I'm working things out. Sometimes what he's working out isn't out there. It's in here. It's Zig Ziglar's teaching. We all need a checkup from the neck up. Because we all have to get healed of stinking thinking. You know, and so many times it's that personality flaw, that character flaw. When I first got saved, and Lydia and I had just been married, and I was having a big problem being patient, loving, and kind. 
and in every little session and uh, teach it, uh, that, that would always just hit me like a t- son, you need to be more patient, loving, and kind. And I wouldn't get it through my thick skull. And so, because I was just used to blowing a gasket. That was my response to life. And even now, I still get that football coach face. (laughs) Son, patience, loving, and kind. Amen. And as I began, and even to this day, I still have to work that kind of thing out in my life. And, And God knows I'm trying, and God knows you're trying. And he's going to, as a result of your efforts, and sometimes extra effort, be be ready for more doors of blessing to open. Amen. Amen. So, uh, just as we wrap this up, uh, and we really need to go... God's never going to give you a dream that counters or contradicts the Word. All right? You need to learn to test the fruit. All right? Test the spirits. Okay? Because the enemy can disguise himself as an angel of light. So you need to make sure that it's not ungodly direction. Don't be fascinated with your own fantasies and try to trick yourself or let the devil trick you into thinking that's God. That's why sometimes you need to share your dream with someone who's qualified. Not just, uh, well, I met that person in church. Well, do you know who they are? No. But they told me that, that God was going, if I move to Florida and marry this guy I met on the he's going to give me a million dollars and I'll live happily ever after. That ain't a dream. That ain't a vision. That's the devil. And then listen to the Holy Spirit. Amen. He's your counselor. Father, we love you this morning and thank you for your guidance and direction, your promise of giving us dreams and goals and visions. Father, as we head towards Christmas and Hanukkah and into the new year, fill our minds and our hearts with your perfect will and plans and purpose so that we can do more to build your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.